What ho there podcast pals, and a warm September welcome to this week's dose of Discontent Provider, the show that is unquestionably very good for you, despite its often repulsive and acrid taste. Yes, tis the ninth month, that exquisite point in the year where we begin to wave goodbye with little discernible regret to sunburn, public shirtlessness and streets awash with regrettable shorts, and to usher in the temperate days of the dear old mists and mellow fruitfulness. Right here in the happy place, the scenic jewel in the rural West Midlands crown, Arkham and I can already detect the turn of the seasons. The lush verdancy begins to fade into subtler yet equally lovely greenish hues. Our beloved babbling brook chatters that bit more quickly in its rain-swollen urgency, and the first fallen leaves lend even greater golden splendour to the sun-dappled ground. It is, without doubt, the most wonderful time of the year. My canine co-host is invigorated by the freshening breezes and can enjoy a ramble without fearing his tongue lolling out and his eyes bulging like Luca Brazzi being strangled in The Godfather. For my part, I like the timeless dance of life and death being played out almost before my very eye. The rampant summer growth withers and fades, yet will soon coddle and nourish the inchoate shoots of spring. And, in another aspect of nature's eternal cycle, children no longer throng the thoroughfares with noise and stickiness, and are back where they belong, caged in schools, where crazed leftists can brainwash them with critical race theory and revisionist woke history, and, in extreme cases, hold them down over their school desks and mutilate their genitals at the first sign of gender curiosity. At least, that's what's happening in the lurid imaginations of GB News viewers, and are we really so churlish as to deny them their illusions, cats and kittens? But, of course, not every stout yeoman and yeo-woman of our not notably United Kingdom will be able to rejoice in this seasonal pageantry. Many are, as you've doubtless heard, trapped in foreign parts, victim of the apocalyptic chaos caused by the malfunctioning of the National Air Traffic Services System at the start of this week. According to Reuters, approximately 1,500 flights in and out of the UK were flat-out cancelled on Monday, as the normal automatic systems succumbed to some sort of nervous breakdown, and the process of allowing aeroplanes to take off and land was performed in the manual way. Now, I have to be honest, I'm not quite sure what uh, this actually entails, although I rather get the idea that it became the sort of scenario I used to read about in the old Biggles books with controllers craning their necks out of control tower windows and waving those ping-pong bats about. Oi, Emirates Flight 783, wait your fucking turn, will you? There's plenty of sky to go round. Just just hang on until Qantas 242 has landed and then aim for, aim for where they were. All this, uh, as I've already mentioned, left thousands of travellers, holidaymakers and what have you stranded at airports all over Europe and with the knock-on effects inevitable with a uh, global travel network all over the world. Truly a veritable Armageddon, if you will. A cute listener that you are, you might have picked up on the fact that I referred to air travel being disrupted all over the world, and so I did. This was not, however, the focus of much of the reportage issued by our media. For them, the heart of the story lay in the misery of Britishers languishing in Spanish airports, unsure where their next flight home or even their next all-inclusive egg and chips and sangria, might be coming from. 
Well, fair enough, of course. Travelling by aeroplane is, even when all goes smoothly, a pretty vile business. It's boring. One has to stand shoeless, while grim-faced security bods prod one and rifle through one's baggages with a disdain more normally seen in forensic experts giving a serial killer's basement the once-over. And, of course, it makes your ears go all painful and poppy. So, obviously, the plight of Chris and Becky from Wolverhampton scanning the departures board with hungry, haunted eyes and worrying about what the price of a bag of airport crisps is going to do to their credit card bill is is one to which all but the most unfeeling brute can easily relate, so you can see why they took that approach. Having said that, it didn't half strike me as being awfully parochial as approaches go. The issue of flights leaving or arriving from or into Europe... uh, to uh, the Americas, to Africa and elsewhere being affected was rarely, if ever mentioned in most reports I uh, heard, saw or read. Uh, Neither was the potential economic problems that must certainly arise from both people and goods being marooned all around this weary, wicked world for the best part of a week. I suppose, given the rarely salutary nature of the news these days, many outlets shied away from placing yet further heavy terrines and platters of gloom and despondency upon our already groaning board of hideous anxiety and unrelenting angst. At least, at least not now it looks as though it's all down to a British system going tits up uh, that's to blame, and they can't, even in their wildest uncancelled flights of fancy, blame the corrupt and unelected bureaucrats of the EU SSR for it all. Mind you, We must give credit where it's due, must we not? While not going as so far as to dump the burden of culpability upon the doorstep of the EU Commission, the Daily Express have made a lot of noises this week to the effect that it's possible that an error made by an unnamed French airline could have perhaps been responsible for screwing up the Nats computers. So, you know, it might very well have been the fault of somebody foreign after all. Hurrah for the British press, eh what? Of course, worse things can happen to those that take to the skies than, well, not take into the skies, I suppose. Those that do take to them can, on occasion, find themselves in a position that those with a knack for understatement might like to describe as tenuous, particularly if they, scant months ago, led an armed insurrection against an oligarchal leader of a global superpower who is not known for his sweet and forgiving disposition. Indeed. Perhaps your attention was drawn, as mine was, to the reported death of Yevgeny Prigozhin, the erstwhile hot dog vendor turned international mercenary commander. The uh, downing of his private Embraer jet last week has sparked a welter of uh, speculations and wild guesses, and, as is so often the case with these international fuck stumps of mystery, every one of them seems a little bit plausible. My uh, natural instincts towards a forthright candour compel me to say that I couldn't give a fuck about the chap. And I don't even mean a good fuck either. I'm talking about the sort of exhausted, half-hearted, third attempt at a fuck by two people who are in a terrible relationship, but, you know, it's Sunday and there's nothing good on the telly and it's better than talking to one another. That's the sort of fuck I couldn't give for Yevgeny Prigozhin and his army of disaffected sadists tinged with Nazi ideology and a penchant for blood money. It's rather odd, isn't it, uh, that uh, Vladimir Putin cited denazification as one of his central uh, motives for <clears throat> liberating the Ukraine and then hiring the Wagner Group. But perhaps their having links to neo-Nazism makes a difference. 
Hey, you cookie, Ukrainian cats and kittens. What's with this old-fashioned Nazi scene? Ah, that's your granddad's Nazism. Get hip to the neo-Nazi jive, baby. It's what the cool kids are into. Almost certainly not, however impeccable the accent. In any event, uh, those keen on the spicier narratives of espionage and bad thrillers have been all over it, and uh, though it pains me to admit it, I have been one of them. Was Yevgeny Viktorovich murdered by the Kremlin, or did he fake his own death to avoid being murdered by the Kremlin? Western intelligence wonks have certainly been keen to foster the impression that Putin was behind it, and it would certainly make sense. Those who lose their spot on Vladimir's Christmas card list are often won't to come to a sticky end, and it can't be denied that Prigozhin's coup or mutiny, despite being unsuccessful, certainly made a dent in Mr P's reputation as a shirtless, horse-riding he-man and no-nonsense martial arts champion. So why wouldn't he have had the bloke knocked off? Particularly as the truce the Ministry of Defence augured with Wagner, and agreement to that Prigozhin and his forces would make a pinky promise that they'd be on Putin's side forever and ever, and sod off to Belarus, gives the Kremlin a veneer of plausible deniability while making it obvious to everybody with more than 14 functioning little grey cells that he, as they say, got his. On the other hand, it's hard to believe that one can run a private army operating on behalf of some of the world's most frightful bounders without picking up a trick or two along the way. So uh, the notion that the Wagner Supremo was blithely Pollyannering all over the shop, sons a care in the world, is frankly laughable. Even prior to the rift in the loot twixt himself and Putin, the lad was, reports say, in the habit of using body doubles, uh, disguises, fake passports and the like while going about his despicable business. So would he be likely to fall for the old uh, bomb on a plane gag? Well, naturally, Russian authorities have stated unequivocally that he is dead, citing forensic tests too. But, if they had cocked up an assassination attempt, it's hardly something they'd want to broadcast, is it? I wonder. The pilot has finished the pre-flight check, sir. You're quiet to go aboard. Excellent, Mikhail. It'll be wonderful to be back in St. Petersburg, won't it? Ah, Mr. Prigozhin, and thanks for naming me. I was worried that I'd just be lackey or flunky in the script. Don't mention it, Mikhail. Now, let's get aboard. Ah, you know what? It's a beautiful day. I think I'll walk. Walk, sir? From Moscow to St. Petersburg? Why not, my friend? Private jets, champagne, tuh! This time I got in touch with Russia, you know? To walk its streets, to see its glorious sunsets over the fields. Ah, now that is Russia, Mikhail. I want to feel the rich black earth of the motherland at my back and fall asleep with the stars bathing me in gentle light. You go on ahead with the others. Well, if, if you're sure, sir. Have you ever known me not to be sure? You go on. Ah, but before you go, I, I, I've got something for you. I... I know you've always had your eye on it, you little scamp. But, but, sir, that's your lucky hat. That was my lucky hat. But I'm too old now for such childish superstitions. Take it. 
Mr. Prigozhin, I, I don't know what to say. Think nothing of it. Mm. Looks good on you, Mikhail. You'll be beating the chicks off with a shitty stick, my friend. Oh, I, I almost forgot. Uh, to take these with you, too. What are they, sir? Oh, nothing much. Uh, the bag contains a few of my teeth. Take them for good luck, eh? And, and this here is a, is a, a pager. Uh, use it to let me know when you're safely in the air. Takeoffs can be the most dangerous part of a flight, you know? And I worry about you and the boys. A pager, sir? Why can't I just call you on my cell? Oh, oh Mikhail. Using a cell phone on a plane can cause all sorts of trouble. Besides, I, I like the whole retro thing of a pager. I've been kind of on a 90s kick lately. Alanis Morissette, Ross and Rachel. Ah, they were good times, my friend. Oh, okay, I, I suppose so. That's my Mikhail. Just wait till you're, uh, say, at cruising altitude, and uh, then push that button there, and I'll know I've got nothing to worry about. You're the boss, boss. So, uh, I'll, I'll see you in St. Petersburg, then. What? Oh, oh, sure, sure. I'll see you in St. Petersburg. Dosvidania, Mikhail. Dosvidania, sir. Oh, just one more thing real quick. Do you think I'd look good with a mustache? I, I, I guess so. Why? No reason, old friend. No reason at all. The only thing that I'd rather dislike about that idea is how it seems to romanticise and glamorise a cat who was, or is, I think it's fair to say, an out-and-out shithouse. Uh, so, damn good stuff for a made-for-TV movie, though, wouldn't you say? Uh, I wonder if Gary Busey's busy these days. It, uh, it goes without saying that his dialect work wouldn't be a patch on mine, but uh, even so, even so... Whether he's alive or dead, Prigozhin's organisation seems to be still a going concern, although nobody seems sure as to who is now running the show. Uh, but that's not for the likes of us to worry about cats and kittens. Such lofty strategic concerns are now for our brand new Minister of Defence, Grant Shapps, to consider as he eases himself gently into his new duties following yesterday's cabinet mini-shuffle. You know, if there's one cliché for which I have little time, it's that old chestnut about failing government's cabinet reshuffles being like rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. You know, it might have raised a wry smile low those many years ago, but it's fearfully tired these days, and is best avoided, I think. Besides, I hardly feel that it really encapsulates the futility of the exercise in our current uh, position. Perhaps comparing the business to rearranging the little plastic Jesus on the dashboard of the Titan submersible that used to take jaded joyriders to gawp at the remains of the Titanic might be a little closer to the mark. I don't have much time for Grant Shapps either. Even for a post-Thatcher Tory, the multi-monikered erstwhile marketing guru has always given me a powerful case of the heebie-jeebies. There seems to be something vaguely feral and saurian about the bloke. When I first saw him, I recall feeling that I was looking at the unholy offspring of Tony Blair and an iguana who had been deliberately brought up with at least 14 distinct personality disorders, of which narcissism and a propensity for aggressive bullying were probably the least objectionable. Still, there it is. He's got the gig. 
and it's hardly as though uh, Rishi had a deep pull from which to draw. We are, until the general election, stuck with Shapsies, Bravamans, Sunaks, Cleverlies and Coffees, and others more tedious to mention. And after that, well, I... I would guess more of the same, but with different names, one imagines. Uh, unless, of course, upon taking office, Sir Keir Starmer pulls off his varnished death mask and reveals that he was a human being all along. Unlikely. Ah, but that's why we're all here, ain't it, podcast pals? To whistle in the graveyard of hope that is the 21st century. To have a mordant chuckle and a bit of a sing-song. Well, let's hope so, because in all honesty, neither myself nor the world's greatest lurcher here have much else to offer you. And on that inspiring note, it's high time we were toddling. We'll be back next Friday with more Discontent Provider, so uh, don't forget to subscribe to the show to make sure you never miss an ep. And tell all your friends and relatives that somewhere out in the wilds of Warwickshire, an old folkie and a dog are making magic happen. Or, at the very least, a cheap but briefly diverting trick. All opinions expressed are merely the observations of said folky and should be used for entertainment purposes only. And it goes without saying that facts and quotes, uh, when used, are culled from reputable sources. Should you fancy giving us a shout, our email address is discontentprovider at gmx.co.uk or you can find Discontent Provider on... X... at... Foxy and Arkham. What, apart from three minutes shorter, would this podcast be without a song at the end? That will be with you directly. So from Arkham, the black and white dog, and myself, the silver fox, cheerio. Who would have thought we'd be marooned in an airport, trapped here for nearly three days? The airlines have damned me to be stuck with my family If we make it home I'm running away Two weeks of self-catering that started me hating The mother of my kids and the brood I hear them crying with no chance of flying Really ain't helping my mood They tell me it's happening all over Europe They're saying some computer's fucked up But why should I care about other suffering elsewhere When a coffee's nearly ten quid a cup the unhelpful staff for clearly having a laugh God damn it, I'm a reasonable man But I wish to Christ that I could find a group of trafficking gang To take the wife and the kids off my hand The whole place is buzzing but nobody knows nothing It's rumours, speculations and lies I just heard a geek say by the end of the week Some bullshit website says we're all gonna fly Maybe we will to find a credit card bill For a holiday and four days of hell and I've just been reminded that we'll probably get fined because the kids will miss some school as well. Maybe we'll be lucky and the school will have collapsed. They say hundreds are falling apart. But knowing my luck, I'll have to share like big bugs for missing the autumn term start. And I'm bound to get sacked because I didn't get back in time to finish that project at work. I'll be paying the price because I did something nice for my family like the rest of these jerks.
wondering my, why the Ranch family and I are even trying so hard to get back. For millions of Brits, life is going to shit, and that's an incontestable fact. There are no sunny up, Lansbor is really screwed up, man, how could we all have been so blind? Wankers giving it large about Nigel Farage, they had to be clean out of their minds. Fake immigrant stories and the government of Tories who have raised corruption to a fine art. I'm tired of pulling together and the terrible weather, why don't we stay here and for a new start? There's no way we can because part of the plan was to end free movement in the EU. So we'll shuffle aboard a plane with the damned whore, and we'll come back home to suffer with you.